So when I type American into the search bar of my browser now, it auto-completes with chestnut. American chestnut. And I have to say, when I think about the enormity of all the awful things my browser could autocomplete American with. American chestnut feels like a kind of victory. I've been thinking about the American chestnut a lot because I've been seeing them a lot. Now, if you know a little about the American chestnut, this might surprise you because the American chestnut fell victim in the late 19th century to a blight, a rather famous blight, a fungus that decimated and ultimately all but rendered functionally extinct the American chestnut in its home range of the eastern seaboard of the continental United States. Where once, the story goes, chestnuts were the most beautiful, the most charismatic of the trees of the American forest. As many as one in four trees in our eastern forests, we're told, were chestnuts. And the blight came through, and in a trice they were gone. A few remnants survived, and survived to this day, as dramatized in Richard Powers' luminous, infuriating, flummoxing novel overstory. There he tells about a settler who went west to Iowa and brought his chestnut seedlings with him, where, far removed from the scourge of the blight, one of them survived to become a beloved tree for generations of his family. Well, of course, it's worth pointing out that those forests are gone altogether. The east is reforested, to be sure. There are more trees in New England and throughout the northeast than there were in Thoreau's time. Many, many more, in fact. But all of that second growth, all of that forest has regrown since intensive agriculture burned through the Northeast by the middle of the 19th century. So whether there would be significant stands of chestnut today, or the blight never to have reached our shores, well, that's merely a hypothetical. But the chestnut does survive after a fashion. You find it in these cutover forests of reservations, conservation areas, lands held in public trust, but also in the small 
urban wilds, the twenty or forty acres here or there, like the spot nestled in the parkways where my dog Nala and I go running most mornings. These chestnuts are mere saplings, and they rise in bouquets of spidery, thin-branched saplings, six or seven feet tall, broadly splayed out. These bouquets of saplings rise from low, barely perceptible mounds in the leaf litter, and usually there are one or two tall, slender trunks of dead chestnuts, shorn of branches, dry, splintered, often exhibiting the long, thin, severe splits in the bark that are the sign of the blight, the cankers. Because that root tissue of that old chestnut from some forest past, it still keeps putting up shoots. Those shoots grow into saplings. The saplings get to be 15 feet tall, 20 feet tall. But before they have a chance to set any fruit, before they have a chance to chestnut, the blight catches up with them. This fungus that's lying wait in that ghost of a chestnut. But even as saplings, as mere shadows of those giant trees that once filled American forests, the chestnuts are instantly recognizable. The botanical name of the American chestnut is Castanea dentata, the toothed chestnut, or the toothy chestnut. And these leaves, slender, six inches long, are deeply serrated on their edges. They look like little saw blades or mouths fringed with angry teeth. They're distinctive. They're charismatic. And once you see them, once you recognize them, they keep revealing themselves to you. I like to think that the chestnut is biding its time. Now, there are efforts underway to bring the American chestnut back, to crossbreed them with blight-resistant chestnut strains from Europe or Asia. These efforts have their merits, but they also feel like, well, they feel like they're in search of lost time, like efforts to genetically engineer a new generation of mammoths or passenger pigeons. Because it wasn't the fungus blight that really did in the chestnut. It was that bigger, broader blight. We have met that blight, and it is us. But I like to think 
that the chestnuts themselves are biding their time. Each generation of shoots growing to these slender saplings, their sawtoothed leaves fringing the trails, dies off after ten or fifteen years, and then a new bouquet shoots up. And maybe someday, maybe hundreds of years from now, the chestnut blight will have burned itself out, and some future saplings will seek the sun, will grow tall and spread broadly again. The chestnut may figure this blight out yet. It's a slender hope. But I'll take what hope I can get. As for that bigger blight, that broader blight, well, my autocomplete doesn't have an answer for that yet.